The Greenlight Podcast will see clearly now with Oakley jumping into the podcast game. Head to oakley.com for the greatest shades in the game. Oakley even offers prism lens technology. What the hell is that, you ask? It's a proprietary technology to Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? Head on over to oakley.com and do your own research. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses that'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me, try for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglass brands in my life, and I can assure you Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head on over to oakley.com, O-A-K-L-E-Y, for more information today. The Greenlight Podcast welcomes you. Howdy, everybody. A big hello from Montana. We have a very special guest direct from Flathead Lake, Ryan Rossillo. He made it out. He was it was unsure. Was he going to make it? Was he not? Plane trouble? No plane trouble. He made it out, and they jumped on the mic. Chris and Ryan talk boat ownership, a little bit about lake life, going out of the bar, also get into a little mailbag submitted by you, the fans. Thank you very much. They have a nice little time recapping their visit together. And then we have a special NBA segment with one Ryan Rosillo and Waylon Long. Waylon comes correct with a whole list of questions, tries to stump Ryan for a couple minutes. We get into it. And then after that, Chris is going to end with a little football talk. He's going to talk about camp, what he misses, what he doesn't miss, and give his take on a couple of these NFL news stories going around right now. Greenlight will be back on Thursday. Make sure that you do not miss Facts and the King every Wednesday. Pop over to the Facts and the King YouTube channel to see Bo Allen and Nate Collins just have a blast. Y'all enjoy. They call me the breeze. I keep blowing and blowing. I ain't got me nobody. I ain't got me no love. I got the green light, baby. I'm going to give a good old-fashioned hello uh, from the Lakeside Studio. Lando, Landover, Maryland. Hello! Uh, Josh Harris is going to rename the fucking the football team, the commanders, whatever you want to call them. Guys, I asked you what, what this team should be called third go-around here. I think it's the Hogs. I think it's the Hogs. What's wrong with the Hogs? Josh Harris... Uh, did he put any limitations on what they may or may not be called? Like last year, they were like, we're not going to do anything having to do with X, Y, or Z. Is this a, is it just like wide open? It seems pretty wide open. Uh, I don't think that, I, I think it's all kind of a rumor right now, right? Like they're just like, yeah, they might change it. They might not. Um, yeah, but it's fucking almost August and training camp's just beginning. This is a perfect storyline. So what do, what are we going to call the commanders when they change their name again? Because they never should have been the commanders. I think the Hogs is pretty solid. Like it's going back to pre Snyder, right? I like the Red Wolves. I've always liked that idea where you know so you can turn all the lights off in the in the stadium and everyone has like the red eyes and stuff, and it really creeps out the other team. You know, I think they're that's all going to get red eyes. They're all going to get Kyle Vandenbosch contact, yeah. dude. That's a great like gimmick night, you know, red eye night. When I met Kyle Vandenbosch, he was like one of my heroes because my dad used to give me like a DVD player when I'd go on the road. Of course, one time I put a a DVD called Fire and Ice and left it in there. (laughs) 
dad found it when we were on the road. He, he just walked into my bedroom. He was like, here you go. Uh, <laughs> but usually Kyle Vandenbosch was in there. And I just watched Kyle Vandenbosch end zone footage. And I got to meet him during joint practice. And he fucking terrified me. He Those fucking red contacts. The guy doesn't smile at all. He's just he's just workmanlike. Uh, no, Red Wolves is cool, I guess. You just called it tacky. You think it's cool? I'm just trying to transition <laughs> to the next submission, Ryan. <laughs> okay, what is it? What do you? I, we don't know. What do you? What do you like? I, I liked football team. God. Yes, <laughs> the football team did I, have a a certain charm to it. it it's like quoi. the band. Like it's just so pure. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I think they. I think they had it on the money with that. I mean, hard to argue with that. It's funny because at first, anything that gets announced, everyone's going to hate. No one, it's impossible to do anything in today's world and be like, you know what? Good idea. Throwbacks are going well. I just, I think it's funny that pe- people retroactively like football team. I think the 76ers plays. <laughs> <laughs> just ex- And all they have to do is say, I'm just expanding our brand. That's, that's what this purchase was. Yeah, it yeah, was yeah. to expand the Philadelphia 76 If I was brand. an owner, I'd have four teams named the same thing. Yeah, you uh, could yeah. do it. I mean, look, back in the day, they couldn't come up with anything other than like Tigers and Wildcats mm-hmm. or just named after Sox. Yep. So, you know, that's what the Reds are. No green that, Sox. That's what the Red Sox. Somebody should have done it. Yeah. The Red Sox should have been a, a green team to just keep it. The Red Sox should start fucking losing right now because I, I want to remind you I have the season uh, under win total. I think it's like 81. If Washington does go to the 76ers, do you keep the, the colors? You know, Do you change the colors? To I, think you change, I think you keep the colors and you go hogs, in my opinion. But if you're going Sixers, I don't know. You could just do, like, you could say they were throwbacks and you'd never go back to your origin. <laughs> or maybe this is a situation where you finally get one of those stupid fucking edits to come to fruition where Saquon Barkley's wearing a Knicks logo on his helmet. You know, like that mm. kind of thing, these crossover. <laughs> I've tagged you in a few of those. I think. And then, but here's the thing does Harden go, I'll play for them? <laughs> <laughs> nah, man. Strip club scene in DC, not very good. Well, I, I don't I know that. Look, for, I don't know that for seven, sure. I don't a lot be, of, I've never been to one. He'd go to Crystal City Restaurant, which famously serves sushi, mm-hmm. and it's famously invited us up to do content. Having gotten permission from my wife, <laughs> how do you think she'll? You think she'll be okay with that? She's pretty cool, and I think you could pitch it a certain way. But I don't know if you're going to get the clearance on that one. I remember we did one from a place called The Squire outside of Boston. It was like right off the highway. I mean, the exit basically filtered you into their parking lot. And I was like, what are we doing again? You did, like, a, you did a strip club pod? We did a remote from there. Damn. <laughs> right. But they nobody was like, I don't know what the deal was. I don't remember the stripper part. So I was just like, wait, what? This is We're okay with this? And they let us do it. How were the acoustics? Bad. The food was, I think it was The Squire. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to knock it. Okay, so we can only hope it's the hogs. Um, we're here in Montana, Rye, man. Like uh, last week, we had this. Like it wasn't a long planned trip. It was sort of. I don't know. Well, I didn't come last year. I went to Iceland, and so then I thought, like, wait, I can't have that happen again because you know how much I love coming yeah. out here. I love seeing your kids. Uh, yeah. I haven't been here since the compound's been expanded. So this is like I'll never miss another gas and diesel. Right, on-site gas diesel. We're, we're installing a rice bin, okay. a grain. <laughs> not going that far, but grain storage. It is a bit of a compound. And last time Rod came out of the compound, we tell this story all the time. There was a forest fire. He had to stay in the trailer. 
I felt bad as a host. So I really couldn't wait for my second chance to host Ryan last week. He was kind of going back and forth waffling. He really wanted to come out mostly for the fly fishing, but also, as he mentioned, to see my family. And, uh, you know, at the last minute, his flights were all fucked up. I told Reed, make a graphic, you know, like one of these Sam Darnold, um, you know, pointing at the, the camera with the big bold letters underneath. It says, Ryan's visit canceled, uh, plane trouble. But before we could even make the graphic, Ryan was back on it. He, uh, he left, what, Saturday? To come, I left Saturday, I know. To come in Saturday afternoon, hang out with your boy for two nights, went fly fishing day. I've had a pretty good trip, man. But my favorite part has been watching you watch me operate a boat. Yeah, that's right, because uh, we're both boat captains. Now. What? No, I'm saying now. Now we are. Now we are. I just got a new, it's just um, a different, got a new it, Hughes craft. I want to shout out Brett's Marine. Yeah, it's sweet, but I was totally thrown off by the aluminum siding on the bottom of it where you just roll into the rocks and dock that way well you it's a little i can't quite do that it's kind of interesting it's a way different experience like we're driving the same thing but they might as well be different vehicles entirely right and to be fair to you too like you're doing just a neutral forward reverse deal docking so like i have a completely different system your setup's a lot easier it's like it actually is just a joystick that goes in any direction for the boat but it's just a little it's a little bit more anxiety pulling that into a slip but i think it's totally different skills and i've been impressed you've been really good you good eyes on the water thank you you notice on the horizon you gotta pay attention because you can get a little like yeah when i'm in it for like a two-hour jaunt north or south yeah i can zone out a bit and be like wait but then it's like yeah but you're zoning because there's nothing in your vision yeah but you know i got i got a windshield i got windshield wipers that stuff can obscure my vision so it's right on it we kept the swim ladder down we took off we're right on something's wrong swim ladder down right well the the biggest obstacle to overcome as a boater on the lake here is having a dad five minutes away was a beautiful 27 foot cobalt he's he's throwing that in our face dude (laughs) he comes over and he's like what are y'all up to tomorrow and i'm like well me rye the boys meg we're gonna go out to the islands drink a couple beers hang out and, you know, like, I think he said three times, if you need to borrow my boat so you have more room, let me know. And that's right up there with the G-Wagon flex. I didn't tell you, didn't tell you about this. He got a new G-Wagon. Did you see it in the driveway when I we did. went over there yeah, to work out? worked out today. It's gorgeous G-Wagon. Paint, the paint code, I, I need it, like yesterday. Uh, but long story short, Meg comes home from the hospital, you know, after pushing out number three and my dad, I walk out hearing that heavy ass German door slamming and he's got her peering into the G wagon. And I hear him saying, you know, check it out. Look inside. You deserve a push present. So your dad is paying for her G wagon? No, exactly. Right, no, the right. implication is that I'm going to pay for the G wagon. So, you don't need that. Um, my dad, you know, like three times flexing on me with the boat. I ran, as you know, I ran the skag into the. Am I saying that correctly? Ah, uh, the thing what? below the prop, the skag, the skag. You don't know. You guys yeah. don't. You, you don't. We're know. inboard. I'm in Volvo <laughs> Pentis. Exactly. <laughs> but I, I scratched that up, and I made the mistake of telling my dad about it. And every time he comes over, he's like, yeah, check for some cavitation when you get no, that. No, capitulation. Ca- capitulation. <laughs> yeah, he was all over because he turned to me. He was like, did you feel any capitulation on that? I was like, I, I, no, like, we're on a lake going whatever. And yeah. Nice big outboard out there. Typical dad flexing it's on It's been me, fun, but- though, too, with the brothers because the brothers long is just smoking me in everything possible. Oh, my I played, kids. I played a memory game with them and like I got smoked. It was the morning after we went out. So I was like, all right, let me get these guys a little later in the day and reset. 
And next thing I know, like Luke is four and he's flipping over a card and he's remembering a move from like 12 flips ago. You're really good with kids, man. Thank you. Yeah. Well, they're smoking me, so they have no reason to be upset with me. They're just dominating me that Mario Kart. <laughs> yeah. So I wouldn't say my confidence is the highest it's ever been. You don't get a lot of reps, but you are very good with the kids. And honestly, you don't get tired of it. You sit out on the back porch and and I can kind of set it and forget it for an hour. And Uncle Rye's got it. Yeah, I took him in the lake and, you know, Chris will be like, hey, make sure Ryan's in charge. Like if he tells you don't do this, you know, don't do that. And they're like, cool, cool, no problem, no problem. As soon as we hit the water, they're like, fuck this guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah, they, they they know how to test the boundaries. And then when I'm not around, they you know, when the black hat's not around. Right, because I remember I took Luke swimming when he was two. And you were like, he's, he's really good. But, you know, you, and I was like, my thing is I'll always stand behind a kid in the water in case, you know, it's not like a current or anything. But it's. It, I remembered it when you told me after the fact. Like he'll push the limits and then he'll like go and then he just kind Forgets of forgets that he can't swim. He freaks that he can't touch and he's obviously a lot better now at four. And he had like a little like freak out two years ago. And then you feel terrible as the adult being like, I shouldn't even have let a two year old get this far out. But he was so he's so aggressive with everything. He's an aggressive kid, man. Yeah. And actually, Waylon just interviewed Ryan before bed. So we have, we, we've got a couple questions for, for Uncle Rye. You know, I told Way that when Ryan was coming, um, you know, he'd get a chance to ask him a bunch of questions about the NBA because Waylon is a huge NBA fan now. You know about that. Uh, and he said, like, on the podcast. And I was like, well, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's do it on the podcast. And so, and so he uh, he went to sleep over at Grandma and Papa's and come, comes home with this real official piece of paper written out, 10 questions. So we got a couple of the, the best questions that Waylon had to offer for you later in the pod as a bonus. And Diane, um, like, plants little seeds with Waylon. So I imagine the questions are going to try to make me look bad. Well, so what was the plant? Well, as soon as the first time I saw the kids, because they weren't here the first night I got here because there was a sleepover at the grandparents. So Chris's mom is in the RV. Well, I guess you would just call it like the mule, you know, uh, like more than an ATV. ATV. Yeah, yeah, yeah but like it's a little UTV. bit more. Yeah, utility UTV, UTV. And she's driving it and the two boys are next to her. And then as I walk away to get back in Chris's truck, Waylon goes, hey, Ryan, why are you wearing my shorts? Because Wait, kids so, are just killing the five-inch inseam. So the five-inch inseam is aggressive, and Rye is a violator on that thing. Like, I mean, like the shorts just get shorter they ride as the up. years go on. And, you know, he'll Sweat. send me this Legends gear, which Legends is awesome. I'm wearing Legends cutoff sweatshorts right now. And get you some more But, yeah, but, like, yeah, these are a little old. They got a lot of mileage on them. But he'll wear these five-inch inseams. And we were on the island together having beers yesterday at 6 o'clock. And we had the whole island to ourselves. It's me sitting on the ground, drinking a beer, rye sitting on the cooler. We've got my boat. And all of a sudden, two pontoon boats full of dudes pull up. And I swear I thought I heard him say DL. And I don't think they were talking about, you know, like um, like defensive line. I think they were thinking I had a DL. You know what I mean? Because you got those five-inch inseams on. You're pretty in shape. You look a little metro for, for Montana. I think people were wondering if I had like a secret lover. Uh, yeah, uh, that, that thought went through my head. Do you think we could date? <laughs> no, dude. I think you'd get pretty tired of me. Uh, but yeah, shout out to Legends, man. They make great shorts. Yeah, I'm sure they're fucking pumped about this crosstalk right now. Well, you know, like not everybody... 
spends three hours a week on the pec deck that's wearing five inch inseams. It's, it's just the combination. It's crazy. I put on the sevens and go, yeah, I put them back. <laughs> so, anyways, the, be- the best part about uh, the, the pictures trip to Montana, the, the pictures from this era will be terrible. The, be like, <laughs> what were you doing for three well. years there? But I'm still in it. You look like one of those first bodybuilders that were like kind of <laughs> jacked. Like you're really jacked, but like you look like one right. of those first. Like, <laughs> like whenever I see a badass from the 20s, I'm like, come on, you know. The and guy- the thing is, is he'd murder me. Yeah. But you see him, and you're kind of like. You know, like I always think about time machine things. Like I've said this probably before, even on this podcast, yeah. but I think of Eddie House got in a time machine and went back to 1950s basketball. There'd be statues of Eddie House outside of every single gymnasium in the United States. And J.J. Reddick would hate on him. <laughs> what do you mean? I don't think he ever hate. Does he? No, J.J. Reddick just hates on, um, what's his name? Um, Dolph Shays. Uh, Dolph Shays. Oh, Dolph Shays. Yeah. I get it. I get it. I didn't yeah. know if you were going with like a Slim Stoudemire thing here, but no. I, uh, I every time I'll like look and I'll, I'll see some stuff and it's like what if like just Chris were in a time machine and joined like 1920s boxing? Yeah. Like would you be awesome or would, would I, you actually get your ass kicked? Would I grow up like Cinderella man or like Chris Long? You'd be more towards Cinderella man, I think. I would I mean obviously there was still a lot of skill in it, but just the size of some of the guys. Yeah, put but, I mean fuck, put me in the 70s playing in the NFL. 70s NFL would be a good one. But again, Eddie House pulling up and dribbling in late 1950s basketball, people would be like, "Yeah, that X-Men would have come out then. Yeah, no question. They'd be like, he's <laughs> the first one. The house center. Welcome right. to the house. You know? It wouldn't be a guard. No, the sport might be called something different. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but the real reason Ryan came up. Because we did, just to stay on the time machine thing real yeah. quick, is that at one point, Van Pelt and I, and I think Kirkshin got involved, I was like, what would be the best chance of like any of us getting in a time machine and being one of the best athletes of that sport. And Kirchner was convinced there was no period in time in baseball that I could. I was like, are you serious, Tim? You don't think I could take a time machine to like 1880 and start running around and gunning, dies, gunning <laughs> da- dudes down from the outfield? Like at some point, I'd make one of those would, teams in 1880. You like Give me a to, fucking break. You get into a Ty Cobb. Right. But I mean, after I get off my shift at the railroad, yeah. I'd be... <laughs> Yeah. You know. No, I don't know. I might be with Kirkjian on this one because that's a skill 1880? sport. 1880? It's a skill sport. I just don't think there were that many guys. Okay. Uh, nobody was lifting weights. No, and the bats were huge. There's no way guys are throwing hard. I, you, think I, whatever. You, could, you think you could hit 200 in the 1930s? 200? Yeah. Uh, 1930s, maybe not. 150. Well, 150, I wouldn't be around very long. Yeah, you're right. But what if, you know, they were like, it's cool, he's a podcaster. <laughs> Actually, or some of the earliest radio guys were huge stars. Really? Back then, yeah. when radio had just gotten started. Yeah. yeah. Imagine. Yeah. All right, so anyways, he came up here mostly for the Garden Bar, which is uh, yes. it's a top bar in Big Fork, Montana. Shout out to our damn guy. Yeah, we talked to, I mean, like the water levels, they're low here. I talked yeah. about that on the podcast last week. We met uh, some sort of a hydrologist. We met a lot of fans of Ryan's. Ryan wore, wore his Chris Herring shirt, uh, jersey out <laughs> with the uh, Cuban link chain. And the I get dressed Pirate. up. Well, you used to get dressed up. Well, I used to and, get dressed up as in I'd wear like that NBA combine, you know, penny. We that used you to gave wear me. jerseys because I know it's so uncool to do it now. Yeah, but, so then I'm, I'm back in. Yeah, but like that's a bit over the line of like a Montana jersey. No, Montana a derfy, jersey. a yeah. derfy Chris Heron high school jersey with the Pirates hat and a gold 
diamond chain. Yeah. I, I, I honestly, I can't, I don't, th- I think you're the first person to ever wear a chain like that into the guard bar. Potentially. So That's it's like cowboy it. bar. Any, anyways, when we go out there, we have a great time. We meet a lot of new people. I want to give out my, my best guy of the week award to all the dudes that we met at the garden bar. I mean, we met so many dudes. Met a lot of dudes. Met a lot of dudes. Shout uh, out to Breakside Brewery, our guy Scott. Oh, yeah. We love Scott. Uh, <clears throat> who came and hung out with us as well. But we got banged up. And, you know, it is one of these things. Like, we were sitting there in the water before we went out. And I was like, when's the last time you were drunk? And you were like, I don't know. When's the last time you were drunk? You've been drunk like twice this year. I hadn't been drunk in a month. I thought that was bad. Uh, we got out there. And about 1.20 in the morning, I tapped <laughs> you on the shoulder. And I was like, buddy, we got to go home. And you were like, have another beer, dude. Uh, and we ended up out there in front of the, the burger stand till 2.30 in the morning. I fell asleep with with three sixes of spearmint <laughs> in my upper lip. Uh, I, I got fucking pummeled by the the, <laughs> the sprinklers. You know, like, he, he, that's an underrated experience coming home drunk at three in the morning as a grown man and trying to just like, all right, I'm going to keep it together. I'm going to be quiet in the house. I'm not going to wake the baby. I'm going to make a peanut butter sandwich without clanking the utensils. Uh, and as I'm walking up the, 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 the narrow strip of lawn, I just get fucking hosed and I walk in the house and I'm soaking wet. Um, you know, like, like that's what getting drunk as a middle-aged man is. And, uh, we did it. We did it this weekend. We had a, we had a really good night. It was great because we were on the Island before we take the boat out, we have a couple beers and then yeah, we were going through the resumes and I was like, man, it's been, it's been a little while. And it was just great because you know when you're going out there. And then people are just like, why are you guys here? Why are you guys here? And you're like, why wouldn't we be here? Exactly. Why Why would we want to go anywhere else? Yeah. And it's basically automatic that we'll get one night in there. And, you know, I don't know. I, I, to me, that place is like a destination. I tell people about it. Well, don't. That's the thing. <laughs> Nobody's going to move here because of that. I, I might have in my 20s, but yeah. Yeah. Little mailbag here, right? Um, we've got a couple good ones for you. Number one, this comes from me, actually. The Aaron Murray thing in Georgia. You saw Aaron Murray at a bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wouldn't have been Northside Tavern. They no. would have recognized him in Northside Tavern. They don't treat people like that. Northside. Yeah, but Aaron Murray, I guess, uh, got you know kind of big dog, the uh, the lead singer of that. It looked like a wedding band or something like that, that kind of band. Uh, the guy pulled Aaron Murray up on stage. He's wearing an Aaron Murray jersey, the singer is, and he's like, what's your name, buddy? Like, why are you up on stage? Kind of gives them the buddy treatment. And uh, to that, Aaron Murray said, you're wearing my jersey. So my question to you would be, who is the best college football player that could walk around and have an experience like Aaron Murray had? Um, I figure there's a couple good answers here. Not every Heisman winner is a terribly recognizable guy. But who would it be, Rye? Who would be the best football player that could walk around and get, I don't know, misrecognized or not recognized at all? Gordy Lockbaum. Who's that? Holy Cross. Played both ways. Was a Heisman finalist. <laughs> I was going to say Troy Smith. <laughs> or fucking, uh, what's his name? Uh, Troy Smith's a good one. Troy Smith's a good one. Wouldn't, it's, and, and beyond that, it's far enough removed. He was terrific at Ohio State, but like, you know, he was still kind of in the. Um, I don't know. I, I don't think anybody was watching Ohio State being like, this guy's going to be an NFL Jason White could roll up. I'd have no idea who he was. Yeah, that's a good one. Jason White, Eric Crouch even wouldn't have any idea who he was. Denard um, Robinson and uh, and Toby Gerhardt would be good too. Those are both Yeah, I have no names. idea what Toby Gerhardt looks like. Guy damn near separated my shoulder. I have mm-hmm. no idea what he looks like. Major Apple license plate. 
Oh, Major Applewhite. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. Danny um, Werfel. Now, <laughs> you, when you get into the Werfels and the Winkies, by the way, Winky is huge. I've said this on this podcast before. I used to coach quarterbacks at uh, in St. Louis. The guy's fucking enormous. Just for that reason alone, I wouldn't think he was Chris Winky. I would have thought he was like Jared Lorenzen. God rest his soul. Next one, uh, who is Ryan's NFL comp? Okay, that 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 one's for me, and we gave this some thought. Um, you know, I was gonna say Wes Welker, but you were more than like a good return guy at your first stop in in Miami or at ESPN. <laughs> um, and there's no drop for you, like you don't have a drop yet. You know, I don't have no, I don't know. Um, uh, I think it's Jerome Bettis. Very good in St. Louis. Very good at ESPN. Uh, ESPN's like, oh, it's a passing league, you know. Um, <laughs> And and you go on to Pittsburgh to have a Hall of Fame career, because I think the numbers bear it out. You're one of the best in the game, uh, and you know in the most you know crowded market of all time. You still set up set yourself apart. You're a high volume guy. You're a hard worker. I think Jerome Bettis. You hear the stories about he couldn't even get in the cold tub the next morning. I have a cold tub now. Yeah, you do. And like I'd imagine after some of these nights, late night podcasting, the next day you don't feel great. So I think it's Jerome Bettis. Okay, that's pretty complimentary. I I didn't know where you were going to go with that. I was trying to think of like the third Bosa brother who was hurt more than those two guys are. Yeah. You know, is like the, takes it way too seriously. No, I'm kidding. Because they're both, they're both, well, I don't know. I mean, if you go like, how good are they at what they do? I mean, most people wouldn't ever want to say, no, you're as good at what you do as they are because yeah. they're incredible. Yeah. So I don't never get that kind of credit for it. Um, I definitely put in the work off the field. Like they do. Uh, Joey's hurt a lot though, right? Yeah. That might be my comp. Yeah. I'm hurt all the time. Are you? All the time. But like when it comes to actually getting the content out? No, I just mean like in general. Yeah, just, you are hurt. I'm, like I'm the hurt. other day on the beach, he's walking around like he's in high heels. It's because he has plantar fasciitis. Yeah, and both He can't feet. walk on the rocks. I've don't. never experienced that. I was like, wait, so don't walk on pebbles, hard rocks with this <laughs> this just awful injury that doesn't seem to want to Dude, go away that is the worst respects. injury i've had that that is awful especially if you play basketball it's horrible yeah i had it when i was in my 20s and then it just like i went to get treatment for it and the guy was like it just sort of goes away well now it's back and when i play basketball now the first like after the first couple minutes of warming up i feel like my feet are in vices yep and then i have to stop and then it slowly releases i've got like a lump under there too so when i was walking around on the stones i was laughing being like this hurts so bad like i don't know if i can go back in this way and then we got some water shoes we fixed it boses are uh you know arguably defensive player of the year i don't know that i'm going to be winning any of that award kind of an award uh the equivalent um who knows you know i never try to never put a you know salary cap on your life i try not to ever you know impose a ceiling there but i know that uh joey's hurt a lot yeah. But he's good. Yeah. He's really good. Yeah. What is Chris's NBA player comp? Now, I only asked this one because we've been asked before, and, and Kingston has an answer that he likes. Uh, maybe he can give you his answer, and you can rate it uh, on a scale of untrue to true. I, I like the Drew Holiday comp. You know, he's got, like, family that are also in the league or great athletes, couple brothers. Yeah. Uh, good, solid player. The numbers aren't going to wow you. Doesn't doesn't get the all-star recognition or all-pro recognition but contributes but people to winning oh no right yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. i mean i i'd rock with drew holiday yeah he was maybe the second best player on the uh olympic team i think or world world championship team but yeah. then he was playing a little well 
What? You know, he gave this comp, and Drew was, Drew was playing really well the last couple of years, and he had his best season. And I was like, I'm not so sure. I was going to say Kelly Olynyk. Yeah, were you? <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. Uh, so what about got, Grant Williams? Grant Williams? I don't know. Vocal? <laughs> He's vocal, yeah. yeah. President to the Vice President of Players Association? I was never that. You didn't want it. You Did you hear about you were... CP3's injury? What are you doing? Seriously. It's too late. No, right seriously. Kenneth Parker's been playing through a broken foot. Oh, all right. I don't need I don't need this. It's, I don't need this this late. Okay. It's my buddy. No, I take back the comp. What, my Bettis comp? Yeah. What was the one you wanted to do? No. <laughs> you give me a Linux. I need to give you uh I don't know. A Linux good. Yeah, that's good. I would never, I would never ever in a hundred, like I'll never forget walking out of the tunnel once for an SEC game and there was like a tight end that was going fucking crazy. And he's like, we got to tell them we're, you know, and he was like doing the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And Steve and I looked at each other and I used to always have this like, it wasn't an, a, a, like a sin. It wasn't like envy, but there was like a really, I think I thought, I felt it as if it was like, the best version of jealousy. I was watching these guys come out of a tunnel yeah. about to fucking go to battle that night, you know, stadium fucking representing your school. And I'm like, I'm likely never going to feel that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I would, I would see those moments and I'd be like, I can't imagine what this must've felt like. And I didn't really even understand it until I started traveling and then being lucky enough to be on the sidelines of the games. And there was this one game where this guy was just going fucking crazy and Steve and I looked at each other and Steve just gave me this look. And I was like, when you were at Stanford, you must have hated that guy. <laughs> and he goes, and they never play. Yeah. He goes, those guys yeah, never play. The <laughs> they never play. And then he turned to me. He's like, that would have been you. And I'm like, absolutely <laughs> not. It was like the most insulting thing he could have said to me. And I go, not only would I never be yeah. like that, because if I didn't play, yeah. I wouldn't be bad vibes for the locker mm-hmm. room, but I wouldn't be fucking talking about anything if no. I didn't play. And when I watch like guys on a college team like get up and cheer the bench mob groups mm-hmm. that now in basketball you have to like get up and celebrate literally every single possession. Oh, shooting their like right. imaginary. Right. They all do these different the, things. Yeah. I always look at that and go, people would think I was a bad teammate because if I didn't play, I wouldn't <laughs> do any of those things. No. Not at all. Right. Not at all. I wouldn't do those things. Like I wouldn't want to be advertising, hey, it's me again who never plays. One of the hardest <laughs> things getting older in the NFL is like you know, GMs being like, I need you to be a leader, this sort of thing. And I'm like, yeah, well, I'm getting like 10 snaps a game or that sort of thing. It's really hard for me to lead from the back. Yeah, well, I can be a leader during the week. But yeah. if you expect me to do all the bullshit yep. mic'd up stuff yep. that shows what Because, you know, I think all of us in the media and as fans do a really bad job of understanding. And we don't have access to really know what's going on. Not everybody's going to tell. But like... Just because a guy's mic'd up or like he comes back after an interception and there's some fucking guard who doesn't play. So keep your head up. Yeah. Keep your head up. Like all of a sudden, Joe Burrow's like, you know, I almost tapped out mentally mm-hmm. until our third string guard told me to keep Yeah. And really, the thing you about know, like motivation and that sort of thing is collective, it's just energy. That's yeah. all it is. It's like being keeping a, the energy up. Being a good leader isn't the sound bite. You know, and I think we always fall for the soundbite. Yeah, and we we're about to because Hard Knocks is going to be uh, is going to be on soon. Okay, th- I really like this question. Fight in combat in one war pre Desert Storm. Which war and what's your branch of service? Great question. 
uh, the war has to mean something. You know, <laughs> has to mean something. It's not where I was going. <laughs> uh, I, if you're going just straight survival, I, I can understand what you're going with there. Uh, I just don't think there's anything replacing the Revolutionary War. And I would be part of the mass guys that as soon as Virginia dudes showed up in silk shirts and fancy rifles, they were like, look at these, look at these fancy lads. And they got in a huge fight in the Boston Common as they were all waiting out what they were going to do with their first battle, basically surrounding Boston because it was kind of an island and it had this thin neck that connected it. They've since built it all back in, so it's not the same. Look, Go back, look at maps. It's very different back then. And the British essentially allowed themselves to be trapped inside, and then they left. I mean, there's a million things I could talk about British strategy that just was fucking terrible. But um, I think that war, what you were fighting for, was like it was all on the line yeah all right and terrible odds biggest underdog ever granted the french and their superiority in the water helped quite a bit french don't get enough credit for that um because they just didn't want great britain to have this dominant serious the french are like fine we'll fucking help you because we hate them and then that pretty much went haywire anyway because when they had their own revolution they were like where's the help and people were like dude just save your propaganda we're trying to get our we're trying to get our our barns rebuilt here um i think that would have been that would have been the war i mean it would suck i wouldn't have cool gear wouldn't have cool gear like some of the other ones but i mean you want me to pick normandy i mean it'd be great to survive it no, I'm but, talking about I mean, something like like um, Ricky uh, Ricky Gervais uh, Gervais. I always fuck his name up. Ricky Gervais. Uh, he had a bit on this. It was like he'd want to fight in the Falklands War because it was like a range war, and the the British had like uh, you know these uh, naval guns that went what like 17 kilometers or something. Where the Argentinians, the, they were the other belligerents. Um, they went like uh, nine nine kilometers or something. I don't know if we're doing metric or, uh, but the bottom line was you just had to like back off and you would be fine. Like that's the kind of war that was that's good for me. Ultimate reach, yeah, just like boxing. And, and like I was looking for all these. Yeah, it's like having reach. It's like being. Um, it's like your line, arm being twice as long. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's like was it Hearns or, or the other guy that had the reach? Hearns had incredible reach. Yeah, Hearns had great reach. Although there's a. Part of boxing where your reach can be too, like basketball players, you watch a lot of them throw a punch. There's so much reach there that you're like, yeah. you know, like you see this mo- coming Well, mile this is away. the perfect amount of reach. I got like right. six ki- kilometers of reach. Fathoms maybe. Yeah. And, and, and I looked hard at like a bunch of these, like I looked for Caribbean wars because I'd like to be like somewhere pretty, you know, while I'm just like hanging out. And Dude, there like, were a lot of skirmishes, a lot of skirmishes yeah. throughout those islands. Yeah. yeah. I mean, a lot of it was shipping lanes and, and rights and guys just started saying, no, this is ours. But can you like, imagine you fighting mean, fighting British. in the Falklands War, though, Um, like after it's over? For even, who, though? For the British. Because <laughs> nah, it's not in my backyard. As can cool, you imagine? Yeah. Look, I'm telling you, like having to fight in the Revolutionary War, we're like, if we lose this. Yeah, you're thinking dif- you're thinking differently than me. I'm not that I'm not that impassioned about not a patriot. I guess not. I mean, like you, you've kind of backed me into a corner here. No, I don't want to be in the Revolutionary War. I don't want to die by a little round bullet that that barely goes fast enough to break the skin. They Just saw, lock them. They saw my leg off. You know. Um, yeah, the med tent, you got me there. Yeah, exactly. But you did pick the fuck. Like, you would be on a ship. Why didn't you just do, cut your leg off? Oh, here. Why didn't you do Antietam? Why didn't you want to fight for the Union in Antietam? Well, I mean, hmm. that, that one, hmm. that one, hmm. well, now you're going to make it sound like I didn't want to fight something else and I wanted yeah. to fight. Yeah. So, I mean, you're just going to make me look <laughs> So, bad I'm going to just stay out of that whole thing, go right. Falklands. Oh, you now, make the, me look bad and then the, go back the to the The only Falklands. bad thing about the Falklands War is like worst plane ride. 
like worst boat ride. If you look where the Falklands are, they're way down there, bro. Oh, so dude, after you win that war, yeah. you got to fucking sail six months to get home. Like you don't even want to party. The parade. There's no like way. Jokic with the parade. You want to talk about how many guys came back home and their wives are like, we had a kid. Yeah. Like, Did we? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, okay. And then uh, the last question we have here tonight is uh, what, are you, what have you been watching? Uh, Ry, have you watched anything good lately? Uh, that's new. Yeah. Or old. I went back to Deadwood. Oh yeah. I remember nice. you saying that. Yeah. I felt like I, I kind of lost momentum with it originally. And I thought, well, wait a minute. You love Westerns. You love those prime HBO shows, uh, back in the beginning of the prestige days. And I went back and I'm like, this is just fucking awesome. And seriously, Swearingen's one of the greatest characters in the history of television he's great i couldn't understand what the fuck he was saying half the time because of the shakespeare thing but you knew kind of what it what he was getting yeah at. you could you get the point uh, yeah. but there's definitely a few times his verbiage where i'm like do i not understand anything he just said there uh, i'll even throw a subtitle on and rewind his scene yeah mm-hmm. uh, no, i watch everything with subtitles Huh? You just get in front of it. Uh, you know, I, I saw the trip to infinity. Uh, Matt, I think you have you seen that yet? It's yeah, on Netflix. I watched it today. So I feel better about dying now. <laughs> right, your life is infinitely small in the grand timeline. Well, also and like you we, show to tell me that. We, we, yeah, well, we might be. Yeah, but we might be back, dude. That's what this show. Ah, <laughs> uh, about. see, this whole thing though, like you don't believe in like any of this stuff, like singularity. Here's theory, what. Here's theory, the deal. Or whatever. I'm open to anything, yeah. all right? I'm open to anything. I mean, just the other day, thinking about something where it's like there's no border on all of this, if mm-hmm. you really think about it, mm-hmm. right? It just keeps going and going and going. Mm-hmm. And so you're like, wow, you know, that could get pretty heavy. So look, reincarnation, separate, parallel, whatever you want to call it, cool. But like when I hear people talk about like, oh, I was a Viking that <laughs> won a battle. And I, and, okay, what... What do you get for lunch? Now there was, you know a what kid. I mean? Like, yeah, who gives yeah. a fuck? Yeah, but there was a kid, and it's and never you, anything boring. It's the, always something crazy, and then you're like, dude, it's not always something crazy. No, because There's, you can't go meet the person that's like, oh, I have a reading here, and you were a small time insurance salesman that lost look his it job, up. and then you look it up out. on YouTube. There was this kid in you know England, and he had this whole other life, like a continent away, and it was very regular, and he was able to to you know, like he was too young, and this was before the age of the internet to actually triangulate or even be force fed a story that would make sense. But he knew every detail of this other kid's life that died early. Maybe, maybe open to it. Just don't know what it solves. I mean, it'd be cool if you could come back. Like what if it was just like the playoffs where whatever you did in your life, you're like, hey, you didn't advance. Yeah, right. No, yeah. <laughs> you're you're going to go back. Yeah. You're, you're in the playing game of life. And then you come back and it's like you're four inches shorter. And you're like, fuck. Weinstein's in the, right. in the playing game. <laughs> he's like the Bulls. Dude, he's not even. They, they took his pick away from him. He's yeah, not even the yeah, lottery. Yeah. All right. So, but then if you do like, you know, good shit like you do for the world, you know, because you really are one of those guys that backs it up. You come back and it's yeah. like, hey. Guess yeah. what? You're a four or five. Might get now. a buy, you know, <laughs> yeah. that sort of thing. That's pretty good, right? I've been, so, so yeah, I like trip to, uh, to infinity. The math part was a little bit challenging. I also saw both extractions. I think we talked about this at the bar, right? But for the people that have seen extraction, my one biggest critique, uh, is that he was a little easy on the child soldiers. 
think that got him in a little bit of trouble. But it's 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 the it's the classic playbook. It's like I'm out. Uh, somebody comes to visit me, talks me back into it. Uh, but there's a backstory, you know, like there's flashbacks. The whole thing. It's John Wick, but not as Metro. I haven't seen it. And you told me something interesting about John Wick. Yeah, they tested the movie with the puppy being killed and then the puppy not being killed. Yep. And when the audience just watched him murder everybody for no reason, <laughs> uh, they were kind of like, eh, killed a lot of dudes. And then when they tested it with the dog being killed, they, the audience was like, he couldn't kill enough people. Yeah, people, it's, people back to the original point. It's, the point, people, about, people dogs. Uh, it's the point about the, the fast guy, the really fast guy in Minnesota. Exactly. Um, and then I've also watched, uh, I've watched almost all of Jim and Andy. The uh, the Jim. So I was kind of stoned and I turned it on thinking it was like a Jim Carrey documentary. And I was like, man, they're giving this movie a lot of airtime. Uh, you know, I've never seen Man on the Moon. When I, you I never did, saw it. Why wouldn't um, you want to see that? I don't know. Like, I didn't know He's who Andy Kaufman was. You don't have any what? like. No, I'm not. I'm not fucking 40. No offense. I'm not 45. I know who Andy right. is. Right, but yeah, I, but you're like 45 at heart. You and also like the Almond Brothers. I do love the Almond Brothers, but music's different. And so, you know, I didn't know about this movie. And my big takeaway, if you don't know Jim and Andy, it's you know he was playing this guy Andy Kaufman and this guy named Tony, who was like Andy Kaufman's sideshow Bob yep. uh, on his show, right? Right. Uh, and you think it was impressive seeing him do Andy Kaufman? I mean, him doing the Tony guy. I think they did. There was a party at the Playboy Mansion. And I think the real Tony guy showed up and Hugh Hefner was like hanging out with him thinking it was Jim Carrey. And then Jim Carrey rolled up like I didn't know watching the documentary, looking at the B-roll of the Playboy Mansion, who was who. And well, he, that's exactly what Andy Kaufman did. He, like he used to be his writer that would do it or they'd book Andy Kaufman and this other guy would show up. Who was Bob Zamuda. Yeah, right. There it you was, go. But well, it was man. crazy because, you know, they had all this this uh, Giamatti be- plays him right in the movie. Yeah. Uh yeah yeah Giamatti yeah because right. they inter- they interviewed Giamatti and uh, Devito was in the movie the whole thing I didn't know any of this shit but bottom line was you know they had all this B roll of Jim sinking into Andy Kaufman's character like method acting for real like mm-hmm. not just like I'm gonna show up at the last minute as Andy Kaufman and do my job it's like I'm gonna terrorize the set like I'm gonna be Andy Kaufman oh yeah it sucked it really did no, suck and method no one likes method actors well and and you know like. I guess who was the wrestler he had gotten into it with, Matt? Jerry the King Jerry Lawler. Lawler. Jerry yeah. Lawler. Like for instance, Jerry Lawler and Andy Kaufman were cool. Like they they played a bit where they hated each other on TV, but Jim couldn't differentiate. Like you know he he couldn't pick where the line was, and he was stepping over the line the entire time. He got Jerry Lawler to kick his fucking ass in the trailer. Uh, he just went too far. I didn't come away from that movie liking Jim Carrey more. Well no, said. But it's it's incredible footage. I enjoy that movie a lot. There's parts the of it where I really like it. Yeah. Um, and I think there's parts where Jim Carrey talks about the creative process that makes me like Jim Carrey more than I did before. Yeah. But the method part of it, it's really tough. And, you know, I think Jim Carrey knew he was going to like push the line, especially if they're doing a long documentary on top. On top of like that, when that movie came out, the movie was a big deal. Yeah, but like his family, Andy Coffin's family was coming on set and he was like giving them hugs and talking to them like the son. Yeah, that was weird. That, that was, was weird. Super weird. And they had uh, Danny DeVito on that because Danny DeVito and him both were on that show Taxi. So Danny DeVito was like playing a younger version of himself. A 
Yeah, I mean, worth a watch. I'm tw- I got 20 minutes left. I can't imagine him pissing people off any more than he has already. Um, yeah, Matt, anything? Read anything? This is uh, this is all she wrote. I saw Oppenheimer. You guys should oh. check it out. Uh, I, I definitely recommend seeing it in theaters. It was really enjoyable. Uh, super, super dark, but... That's all I want to know. I don't want to know anything yeah. else. That's yeah. all I you say. haven't Tell seen uh, Sound of Freedom, though, I noticed. <laughs> you like sex trafficking? Well, it's doing well at the box office. So. Oh, you, yeah. I'm so excited to announce our new sponsor, Oakley. Express your style and build a look that's made for you. You all know I spend a good bit of time on the river and in the woods, and I need something that protects the eyeballs but gives me a clean, fresh look. Oakley's are changing the game, and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run, golf, train? Just want to look like your favorite athlete, like, uh, I don't know, Lamar Jackson, Debo Samuel, uh, Justin Jefferson? Then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakley's today. Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses allowing for an extension of self, there's more than meets the eye. Here on the show, we're all about looking good and playing good, and that's why Oakley is the perfect partner for us. We don't leave our house in the morning without our Oakleys. And since it's officially almost summer, you need to upgrade your sunglasses game now. Check out oakley.com to get yourself a pair today. I rock the Sutro TIs because they have a solid style that fits my work play way of life. They look great when I'm in the field at softball and I'm on the river enjoying a float, but they also come in clutch whenever I need to look professional. Oakley even offers prism lens technology. What the hell is that, you ask? It's a proprietary technology to Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? Head on over to oakley.com and do your own research. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses that'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me. Try for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglass brands in my life, and I can assure you Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head on over to oakley.com, O-A-K-L-E-Y, for more information today. Live from Flathead Lake, Montana, I am with NBA correspondent Waylon Long. Uh, Waylon, uh, how old are you? Seven. Okay, you have organized some NBA questions for me. It's kind of my downtime in the NBA, so hopefully I'm crisp enough to uh, get you the answers you need. All right, are you ready? First question. Explain free agency. Okay, this is a little bit more my lane. Uh, Basically, when you're drafted, you have four years where you're under contract, unless they don't like you, and then they can get rid of you after two. Uh, Then what happens is if you're good, you sign a rookie extension, right? And then once you get to free agency, true free agency, unrestricted free agency, you can sign with any team that you want if they have cap space. What happens now is every player just takes all the maximum raises and sometimes the extra year or a player option so they have more control. And then they ask for a trade even though they have multiple years left. That used to not happen. It's a new thing. And it honestly kind of sucks. Uh, and it also means cap space, building for cap space is sort of pointless because there's less free agents, big free agents than we've had in the past. Does that is that what you had? Yes. What year in history had the best NBA teams? Wow, that is a great question. Uh, Look, I think the talent 
we've never had this much talent. Like I'll watch certain nights where I can't believe how good some of the players are that are like eighth or ninth on a team. So I don't think the talent has ever been better than it is right now. But if you want to go like all-time players, I think you'd have to go from the early 80s with Magic getting the Lakers started, Bird entering the league, that Sixers team in 83 that was incredible. And then, you know, you had the Celtics thing in the mid so I, I think the best like all-time teams that we still think about all the time, that that 80s run, I don't know that we have those iconic teams, like four or five iconic teams like we did during that stretch. Mm-hmm. Top five players of all time. I think we do top five players every month um, active, but all time, uh, I'd go MJ1, LeBron 2, I catch a little heat for this, but I I put Magic three. I think you could have five Magic Johnsons and beat maybe five of any other player. I just think he's that special. In 12 seasons, he played for nine NBA titles. You know, obviously, he had a really good team around him, but so did most of these guys are the all-time greats. Um, I do a bad job with Kareem historically, uh, but I think you got to put him fourth, and then I'd put Bill Russell fifth. What's your side team? (laughs) My side team? Uh, it's definitely Golden State. Same, probably. What's your favorite team? Um, that's probably the Sixers. Yeah, that's good. You got some Philly ties. You're like a Philly guy. Who's better, Embiid or Jokic? Embiid, probably, because they won. You should start a blog in Philly. Best Celtic player of all time. Bill Russell. 11 championships. Tallest player ever in NBA. Uh, Manute Bowl, right? Manute Bowl. Yeah. Why? Who do you? What do your notes say? <laughs> um, I think that is. Let, let's double check it right now. We'll call. We'll, we'll cl- Did he really? Oh, it's actually Murasan. Seven seven. Seven seven. I thought. I thought Manute. Yeah. Well, there you go. Unless one. Unless Wembenyama grows. Dad and Ryan one-on-one. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, your dad was a pretty good high school player. And he's got a lot of size on me. Uh, and usually I feel like I would always take it more seriously than the other person. So I'd have that going for me. But I think your dad's that way too. So I'm not going to say he's going to beat me. Right? <laughs> so I'm going to pick me, but I'm worried. I'm worried. It's about a 20, 25 pound difference. The way you guys serve meals around here. I know a lot about the NBA, so you're probably going to win. I'd have the moves. I'd know how to counter stuff, the X's and O's, because he's just a def- all the time. Hey, take it easy. You're going to get stuck to the couch. <laughs> all right, this interview's done. This podcast is brought to you by Cash App, the ideal app for spending, sending, and setting easy-to-track savings goals. Personally, I love using Cash App savings tools whenever I'm planning a family vacation. I just took my first family vacation as a father. We went to Italy, Kate, myself, and the baby. But keeping track of all our expenses can be tricky, and it was. But it wasn't as tricky with Cash App because when all the prices are in euros, nobody knows what the hell's going on. So when we're renting a scooter, getting an espresso, or sitting down to a course of the Tagliatelle, Cash App had us covered with a separate account that let me track spending and set goals. 
So whether you're saving up for a trip, a rainy day, or a sunny life, Cash App has the easy tools to help you take control of your money and financial life. Download it for free in the App Store and Google Play and see why it's the number one finance app in the U.S. App Store. Good news. The Thursday show we do with AMP will continue 4.30 every Thursday. The Greenlight team, Cowboy Reed, Fax, Kingston. Uh, I'll pop through there sometimes. On AMP, you can interact with us really easily. There's a call-in button. We invite call-ins all the time. You can talk directly to us, ask us questions, ask us our favorite music. We might even play some. There's also a live chat during the show. If you have a question about a topic we're talking about, fire it off in the chat. We'll answer. We're gonna be uh, we're gonna be doing what we've been doing all fall, uh, every Thursday at four thirty on AMP. Uh, check us out. So, anyways, our season starts soon. The NFL season is starting. Like you know, my first couple years out, I can distinctly remember being up here in Montana, and I when I played, there was the, the dread of every morning: Am I doing enough? Am I going to be able to do enough today? Is my body going to be able to allow me to do enough today? Uh, I have to get on a plane in two weeks. You know, everybody's enjoying their Fourth of July. Not me. There's a dark cloud over my head. Training camps come in the fights, the early mornings, the late nights, the whole thing. And uh, I didn't like July. If I power ranked the months, July would not get any love on my list because of that very factor. August, that doesn't even exist. That's not even a real month. Uh, I don't feel much differently about August. It's kind of fucking hot. Uh, But it's better than being in training camp. And my first couple years out, I distinctly remember setting my alarm you know, that first morning when teams reported uh, with a note that like, hey, you don't have to work. Uh, and now I just kind of let it creep up on me. I'll turn on the TV and start to see the content rolling in. We get some one-on-ones with Sauce Gardner and Garrett Wilson. We get some Aaron Rodgers throws. And it's like, before you know it, that's how fast it happens in the NFL. I mean, there is no, especially with the new CBA, there's no warm up. there's no landing strip. You show up. You got a couple days of meetings, tops, walkthroughs, and you're out there in underwear for a day. The next morning you go out, it's 110 degrees, the cicadas are going off. That's Michael Brockers used to call them the heat bugs. So we'd be in, uh, in stretch lines, listen to cicadas. 20 minutes later, you are banging out there and it's inside run. So needless to say, I don't miss a lot of training camp. Um, but there is some stuff that I, part of me, when you're in it, you say maybe when I'm older, I'll appreciate it. And there are a couple things I, I do miss. Uh, the things I don't miss, I, I put a little list together. It's much longer than the things I, I miss list. Uh, you know, number one, starting in the beginning, the introduction meetings. You know, when you show up to training camp in the NFL, the first day and a half is meetings. So it's like a hurry up and wait. It's past your conditioning test, which I didn't even, that didn't even make the list for me. Three 300 yard shuffle, shuttles, it's fine, no big deal. Uh, I remember watching it. One thing I do miss is watching guys dive over the line, like fat guys that <laughs> were definitely not going to make their times as if, if they dive over the line, the coach is going to be like, yeah, this guy's got it. This, this guy's got a little bit of Rudy in him or whatever it is. Uh, I watch that every year. Uh, I watch guys miss their times, watch them run laps around the field while, while we're practicing that sort of thing. Um, I don't miss the conditioning test, but you go right inside uh, and there's the, the meetings were brutal. I mean, you, you know, it'd be like the, the security guy comes in and tells you not to, uh, you know, like, you know, I, I don't know, like, uh, don't beat your wife. 
you know, we get an hour on Don't Beat Your Wife. And I'm like, you know, I'm pretty sure the guys in here who are capable of something that terrible are not going to change because of this meeting. And, uh, and I respect women. Uh, there's there's a, a number of meetings on just protocols and, and like what time meetings start, team rules, that sort of thing. Uh, getting introduced to everybody in the building. It is brutal. And the worst thing is it shortens your fucking hip flexors. I got to go out there the next day and run around. I'm, I'm supine for 12 hours a day listening to the team security guy and the ticket guy and the fucking whoever else. So the introduction meeting's terrible. Uh, here's a weird one. I kind of used to dread having to perform in front of my family. You know, it's the weirdest thing in the world. Like, I have no problem with playing in the Super Bowl in front of all my friends and family, people watching at home, the whole thing. Uh, but there's a there's a, a primal aspect to camp that it's like my kids shouldn't see this, you know, because at any moment there's a fight at any moment. I'm getting decleated at any moment. I'm getting blocked. Like, I don't know what I'm, you know, uh, more afraid of my kids wandering over to, to to pass rush and watching me getting stoned by the unsigned guy uh, or the undrafted guy. Uh, or, or NFL Network coming over and, and filming one of my reps. You know, like that's the reality every day. And, and I used to remember when I'd watch, because, you know, it's kind of like being a kid at school and watching the carpool line. Like as soon as I knew my, my, my wife and maybe my kids would be showing up, it'd be inside run and I'd be over there catching a breather, looking at the entrance to the, the facility, wondering if they're going to show up and when I have to really turn it on. And and that by that, I mean like survival mode. So... I don't miss playing in front of my family, but when we were in Philly, I loved having my kids come out every day. And at the end of practice, if everything went well, we'd go over and get some Rita's uh, water ice because that was the uh, that was the jam in Philly, and my kids loved it. And I love water, a water ice, and I get some water ice. Water ice. My kid would get the blue raspberry. At that point, it was just mainly Waylon, and then uh, and then Luke got to come in 2018 and and, and try the water ice. So. I, I fucking hate service elevators in, in hotels. Okay, so like training camp, I actually miss the hotel setup. There's nothing better. We talk about this all the time. When you're exhausted, you plop down on a bed that's not yours. Mario Lopez on TV, extra, extra. You just lay on the bed for 45 minutes before you go to a team meeting or whatever it is, or the first team meal where they serve you lobster and that sort of thing before it all goes downhill and they don't give a fuck about you. Uh, but that first time you get in your hotel room, you get everything set up and you realize no screaming kids. My wife, who I love is not going to be asking me questions at 11 o'clock at night. I got a very simple cable set up with a TV guide right next to the bed. I got a Bible in the bed. If I so choose, uh, I love the hotel setup. I do not love hotel service elevators when you're living in the, in the and by the way, I saw a really funny clip the other day of Steven Adams talking about the bubble juxtaposed yeah. with LeBron talking about the bubble. Uh, it was hilarious. Uh, but, you know, like, I'm not complaining. You live in a resort, mate. Yeah, I, li- I, I was living at the, the you know Airport Marriott for a month. I mean, a lot of people would kill live at the Airport Marriott in St. Louis. But I hated every morning getting in the fucking service elevator. That always smelled like garbage, hot garbage. In the dead of August uh, in St. Louis, you'd, get, you'd go out through the, uh, the, the, the basement garage, and the smell of the trash would hit you, and then you drive 20 minutes to Earth City. I uh, get on the get in the car last, like the dread of when I get down, because I was always a late alarm guy. 
You know, like if I had a meeting at 8 a.m., I'm setting my alarm at 7.20. I'm getting all the sleep I can. I get my work done at night. And the dread, if you're a little bit late, of going down into that stinky fucking garage and realizing when you hit your fucking uh, unlock button that it echoes like crazy because there's no other cars in the garage. I hated that feeling. Uh, I hated the service elevators. I hated that part of living in the hotel. Um, Forehead bruises. Dude, we used to get bad forehead bruises in camp. And, you know, everybody, now they got these big blown up helmets. They get, you know, guys got these giant helmets. Uh, you know, now they're wearing padded helmets in practice. And I feel like an old guy saying this, but I used to have the, like, the asbestos looking fucking helmet where you cut it open. It was like yellow foam in there. And at night I'd get home in the hotel and brush my teeth and be under that hot light at the fucking airport Marriott. And I'd be like, damn, my forehead is bruised. Uh, that's not a fun thing to, to have at night and then go back to work in the morning and, you know, like, don't say a word about it. There's nothing, nothing wrong. It's just a forehead bruise. It's, it's uh, superficial. Uh, room checks, hated room checks. One of the worst things about the hotel was having a grown man come and check my room every night at 11 PM. Okay. When wake up is at 6 AM. If you check my room at 11 PM and knock on it forcefully, do the fucking math. I am a 275 pound athlete who's been on his feet eight hours today. I need eight hours sleep. I don't need you knocking on my fucking door at 11 because I decided to go to bed at 1030. Uh, and I used to always latch the door and it would frustrate the fuck out of these guys. And they would just slam the latch as hard as they could just to wake me up. It would be a strength coach or somebody like that. And I'd be vaping my ass off in there. I can remember, <laughs> I can remember the one time uh, when I first got a hold of vapes, like at the end of my career and I wasn't smoking like a fucking loser out of an apple or something, or, you know, uh, you know, have to smoke a joint if you want. So, uh, they had these Pax vapes, which you guys probably know the Pax product. You put sure. the, uh, you put the marijuana in the top of the vape and, uh, and you hit the button and it, it's like a little oven in there and I'm thinking it's vapor and you know, I'm smoking, so I can't really smell the smoke, but Sooner or later, that little hotel room smelled like Woodstock. And, you know, I had one strength coach who actually called me out the next day at lunch in front of five people. He, I think he said it smelled like a fish concert in there. And he was a guy I didn't like. So shit like that. Like, this is my space. This is my routine. Uh, Indicin, Celebrex, the worst, anti-inflammatories. Any, any football player who's listening to this podcast knows exactly what I'm talking about. Jeff Schwartz. I know your big ass was on the toilet all day because that, that, that stuff runs right through you. The in, Indocin is brutal on your stomach. We used to live off Indocin and Celebrex. Uh, the last meeting of the night, everybody knows what I'm talking about. If you played in the NFL, if you've been in, in a training camp of some sort, the end of the night when everybody knows what time about every position coach is going to let you out. Defensive line coaches don't have to do much at that point in the night. We've watched the same cut-ups all day. How many times can we line up in a nine, line up in a five, slant inside on a pirate? It's time to go to bed. We've done the whole thing. But every fucking coach is petrified of the prospect of the head coach walking by an empty meeting room at 10.57 or 9.57, <laughs> whatever time the coach allows you to leave. I heard Bruce Arians is actually pretty cool about that stuff. But you know, in New England, I can remember Matt Patricia, who is with the Eagles now, I mean, when you talk about a guy that, you know, when I saw him in Philly, top five 
moments of like, great to see it. Now, I don't know how Darius Slay would feel about this, but you know, Matt Patricia, did, I, I didn't always agree with where I was lined up, that sort of thing. You know, I wouldn't agree with him on every football thing, but I fucking really enjoyed the guy. And to see him down in uh, Philly, it was pretty awesome. But, you know, Matt Patricia would keep us until the very last minute. Uh, and, you know, it was bittersweet because he would throw on, this is the Super Bowl year in, in, in New England, uh, the 85 Bears documentary. Uh, that defense, you know, like all those guys, Mongo, like the whole crew, Richard Dent, fucking just Dan Hampton, personalities, Singletary, Jeff Fisher was on that team. Um, and, you know, like I kind of had a little background about who they were, but just to watch that documentary and, you know, your defensive coordinator saying, I want to be one of these defenses every night at 10 p.m., you love watching, but it's fucking midnight, Matt. Um, and, you know, like even worse, if it's a defensive line coach, we're watching the same damn cut up the whole day. Uh, yeah, let us let us go home. Uh, hearing other players alarms, alarm clocks go off. I don't know if you've ever been like in a, in a big group setting yeah. where, um, you know, maybe the walls are a little thin and everybody has different wake up times. I used to fucking hate that. I'd hear like some DBs, you know, Yo Gotti blasting in the bathroom at 645 in the morning. 25 minutes before my alarm goes off and now I'm up uh, or I'd hear the fucking alarm go off. I hated that shit. Random drug tests along the same lines. Uh, random drug tests were terrible. You know, they, they treat you like children. You go to bed not knowing what time someone's going to knock on your door. You knew it was like a week or two window. You know, for defensive linemen, they, they'd always make us go last, which I always talk about because I think they know there's a lot of stoners up front. And, you know, they would sit, you know, they, they would set up in the, in the first floor of the, whatever hotel you were in with like two rooms and starting at five in the morning, they'd start knock, knocking on guys' doors uh, and having them come downstairs and piss in a, in a uh, and the worst thing was they knock on your door. You'd say, yeah, fuck, I'll be down in 10 minutes. And you get down there and there'd be an enormous line of guys. And then the, the deeper in the line you are, the more you have to consider, do I stay awake? It's 5 a.m. The first meeting's at 8 a.m., 7.45 in the morning. Do I go back to bed? If you're one of the first guys, you can big boy the rookies, cut to the front of the line, go back upstairs, hit the vape pen like, like, you know, like there's no tomorrow, and get about another hour and a half. Uh, but, you know, like if you're at the back of the line, you're kind of fucked. So you'd say, hey, 10 minutes, and they'd, they'd say, I'll see you down there. And you'd stagger into the bathroom, and just out of habit, take a big steam in training camp piss. And halfway through, you'd realize that that was supposed to go in a cup. So you end up down there for another hour. I hated fucking drug tests. It was, the, again, one of the most bittersweet things because it meant that like that day when you got home from camp, you were straight. But that morning, it was one of the worst things. The things I miss about camp, dinner after practice. Okay, dinner after practice with the fellas when you're tired and you can put whatever you want down the hatch. Uh, you burn about a million calories. You've heard what J.J. Watt eats. I don't know what his fucking diet was, but it was crazy. Uh, you heard what, uh, what, what Tristan Wirfs eats. We talked to him on the podcast. Like, it is a full-time job, and it's a job you're happy to do in training camp. And the buzz after a practice when you know your work's done, it's like being at the kids' table. You, you just, like... Sometimes I'll sit at that table and listen to conversations and I'll be like, what are we talking about? Like, how old are we? 
Like none of what we just said the last two minutes makes any sense. Guys are just stream of consciousness because they're so fucking happy to be done with practice. Uh, you know, I, I talked about the hotel setup. A couple things football-wise that I loved. I did love inside run. It meant that individual was over. We spent way too long in individual. I wish we could go out there, stretch, warm up, and just go hit, man. Uh, get it over with. You know, NFL practices, especially in training camp, coaches will justify, you know, being out there as long as they, they have to be. And they'll stick you in individual and you'll hit the bag and you do hand work for an hour. And then everybody very quietly shuffles over to inside run. That first inside run of a training camp, it's hard to describe. And I know Nolan's been down on the field during training camp and seen that sort of thing, but the tension is so fucking high. Uh, it is Violent. really what the sport's about, man. It's survival of the fittest. And, uh, and when that first inside run gets assembled, you could hear a pin drop. And then the first rep happens, and it is fucking crazy, dude. It is just the hungriest people playing for their lives in the dead heat of August. Uh, and and uh, you can feel it. I love inside run. And with inside run, you also know what the fuck the play is. Yeah. So, That's what I was I curious about as a defensive guy. Is it more enjoyable? Like, despite the violence, despite the, like, this is going to be – car accident after car accident after car well, you, accident. Like, you kind of like, love it, dude, because part of getting into training camp is like, do I have it again this year? Like, you know, like it takes yeah. such a mental edge to play the game at a high level and to go into training camp, eyes wide open with a great plan and to enact it every day. One of the biggest hurdles to get over is not just the routine you build, but like, am I physically and mentally ready to do this? Uh, because it is so unnatural and it's not like basketball where you have an open gym all fucking off season. You can play pickup baseball, you can get in the cage, you know, you can get some live batting practice, that sort of thing. You know, like I'd imagine hockey, you know, I don't know how long their off season is. I don't want to speak out of turn, but football, there's no way to replicate that. And so like, uh, you know, I loved inside run. I loved like seeing if I still had it, you know, um, and usually you do, uh, and, and you realize you love it. Uh, you don't love all the, the other stuff around it that I've mentioned. NFL news. All right, a couple things to run through here. Uh, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, yeah, if you're an Eagles fan, you're probably pissed at him because he said some things about Eagles fans that you don't really like. Here's what I'm not into, and I'm not like trying to like coach people on their reaction to the news about C.J. G.J. here, but... You know, I don't think, I don't believe in injury karma this way. I don't think if there were karma that this is the kind of thing. Like, listen, if you fucking, you know, if you're R. Kelly, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to do an ACL at some point if I, if I believe in karma. But this is, this guy was just talking about, about Eagles fans, right? Um, he did say like the weather, which was my favorite part of the whole live stream video was he took like a six minute dump on Eagles fans. And he was like, yeah, but the weather's straight. And I was like, you know what? I never thought about the weather on any level in Philadelphia. <laughs> it's actually the most unremarkable weather in the country. You know, like when I played in New England at training camp, which by the way, I'll add another one. I hated the walk to the field. It was like a mile long, but it was 83 degrees. I was like, you know, like, fuck, what is this? It's barely training camp. It's like when we used to go to Mequon in St. Louis up in Wisconsin, uh, you know, like in St. Louis, you're like, okay, they wrote the, the, the Aaron Brockovich movie basically about this thing. We had burning radioactive waste yep. across the river from us at the practice facility. It smelled like hot garbage. You were breathing it in. Philly, I never thought about it. 
So I don't know what he's talking about. But CJ is a big part of what Detroit wants to do in that, back, in that defensive backfield. And fuck, he had a great year last year. Um, I'm a huge fan of the player. Um, and, you know, he did some great things in New Orleans. The thing I loved about him, and I texted Malcolm Jenkins this, I was like, what is it about this guy where he gets people to rip his chain off? Like, if you can get three, four guys to tear your chain off in a, in, in a single season or to punch you or to get ejected, you're the kind of guy I want on my defensive uh, you know, roster. Uh, he's an instigator. I like that. He's got great energy. Uh, he kind of led the league. He lead the league in picks last year uh, among safeties. He was up or, there. Yeah, he was up there. He so, was up there. A big part of what Detroit wants to do, and you know, they go and draft this uh, Brian Branch kid, um, and he's a safety. They they don't want him playing nickel this year. I don't think that's the biggest domino effect on the field for CJ. I mean, three years, twenty four mil uh, was was what the Eagles uh, forked over. wasn't good enough. Took a one year deal with Detroit. Grass is not always greener. I'm not saying like, hey this is what happens when you don't take a better deal, but it is a danger of, of turning down the burden hand. And, you know, more importantly, three-year deal, one-year deal, now he's going to hit the market again. And I don't know what the injury was to his knee yet. It might be minor, but if it is one that's uh, lengthy, it's going to affect the way Detroit does things. Uh, Naheem Hines, okay, he had a jet ski accident. Fucking jet skis are scary, man. There's a lot of ways guys get hurt in the offseason. Uh, this is one of the... This is one of the ones, if I was a football coach, jet skis, like motorcycles, the whole thing, just stay off them. Like, you know, I used to be on jet skis all the time, but guys are going down to like Miami. Everybody's, everybody's on that crunk juice. You know, it's high traffic. I'm out here on a fucking 26 mile long glacial lake. It's not high traffic. Do you think uh, jet skis are going to be written into contracts now that guys can't do in the off season like i know i, I know, know skiing was on drew bledsoe's contract and and stuff like that but well yeah like you know naheem hines needed was a drew bledsoe fall guy remember when drew right. told us that yeah. you know when he he had a guy that was on call that if he broke his leg on the slopes like his boy was going to come out and be you know like i don't know take him to the basketball he, court take him to the basketball well not the basketball court take him to the gym yeah put him under a bar or something like that that's what fucking naheem hines needed you know, like uh, yeah. you know, he needed a guy to airlift him to 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 uh, to the speed school where he works out. But you know, like fucking, it's it's a big deal for Buffalo. I'm worried about Buffalo a little bit. I mean, Stanford Steve was on here talking about them taking a step back. You know, running back is a position that they have not nailed. And you know, you talk about getting a back involved in the passing game, screen game, that sort of thing. All of the things that opens up for Josh. Um, and not to mention, Hines is a burner. I mean, he's a great returner. Um, he's a real asset there. And now you got, you know, uh, James Cook, who is going to be under a lot of pressure to perform. And so yeah. not good news for Buffalo. Um, you know, Hunter Renfro making 16 mil. Uh, he is a cut candidate. Um, and I guess I'm not surprised. Ten games he played in last year. Uh, if he's a trade candidate, if this is one of these things where they're leaking the news so that somebody will bite, uh, I do like the Eagles. I just, I love Hunter Renfro. I love the birds, you know that. Uh, and he'd be a good fit there. So, like, listen, they could restructure his deal, the whole thing. Um, but this is the, we talked about these running backs earlier this week. Fucking 
all the guys we mentioned probably not making what Hunter Renfro makes. And you know, like if he's not in Vegas, that's a that's a hit. But it's not a game changing loss, and the pr- production's good. But you know, some of these guys, you look at like a second or third option on the team. A good slot guy is making more money in these backs, and so again, another like twisting of the knife. If you look at it in terms of that, uh, for the backs, not again, not saying that they have uh, that there's a good solution on the table, but fucking, uh, you know, it is. It's a little fucked up. Uh, Marcus Peters, Raiders, one year deal. Love this for them because they didn't create turnovers, man. Like that, that, that group in the secondary were not a ball hawking unit. Uh, and that showed, like, you know, we saw the stat about DeAndre Hopkins and his touchdown catch total, Mike Vrabel being the, the next prolific touchdown catcher in the building. It's the same thing with the picks and the, the Raiders. I think he has 32 career picks. You got six picks out of this whole group, um, unproven, not a group that gets you excited as a defensive lineman. And you saw Max Crosby tweeting about this. Uh, he's excited. Like, if I'm a rusher, the first thing I want my team to do is go get one of these guys. You know, he's going to take some chances. He's going to get beat sometimes, you know, uh, but what he is is a ball hawk and a guy who can compete in coverage. And he he's a good fit for them scheme-wise. So uh, I like the signing, not saying the Raiders are terribly relevant. No offense uh, to any Raiders fans. I'm not saying you guys are like AFC West champs this year, but – you are in need of uh, an addition like this. So I like it. I like it for Max. I like it for the young guys. Uh, good pickup. 30-year-old corner, though, on the other hand. Yep. 30 years, old, 30 years old, had the ACL in 21. So I think that's part of, like, the one-year deal is, um, you know, teams look at 30-year-old corners the same way they look at, uh, you know, running backs in the, in the contract year, the rookie deal of, yeah. like, really wary of a long-term commitment no so. question all right and so i'll be back thursday with making um reunion pod will be over riverside zoom uh but we'll be uh, together so see you guys later in the week have a great week I'm